Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men on a dead man's chest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. You best start believing in ghost stories. You're in one. There are no survivors. There are no survivors. The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films, and yes, the expanded universe. We dabble in history, stress, the euphemisms, and strive to have a hell of a good swashbuckler time each and every damn week. It's a Movies by Minute podcast where we break down each and every single minute of the films in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. I am Scott Artis, your host. And from I, scottartist.com. How dare you? <laughs> and I am Heather Artis from blackpearlshow.com. Thanks for joining us today for episode 114 of season two. We're slapping the tentacles of minutes 128 and 129 of Dead Man's Chest. That's Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Is there another Dead Man's Chest? I'm sure there is. There's a song and everything. People be like, are they breaking down the song minute by minute? It'd be weird. That That's it like would be. two minutes long. Depends. I've seen some longer versions. We're here. We're broadcasting from our walled compound behind the safety of our newly constructed moat. <laughs> All the triple Made guns are toilet paper. <laughs> ready for onslaught. We do have that. We're keeping things on the normal and kind of delivering the important stuff everybody is talking about. And that is Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Not sure there's anything new hitting the, well, the news feeds. It's 24-hour coronavirus talk, so I'm not even expecting anything new to come out on the Pirates of the Caribbean 6 front. I think it's going to be a desert for a little bit. Disney's closing up theme park, kind of their whole theme park shop for a bit. They're pushing out release dates for movies and all that other fun stuff. Because in my crazy zigzag of a life before wildlife conservation, I actually worked with viruses, and that's when I was a researcher. But those were the days. And now that we're... In wildlife conservation and Pirates of the Caribbean, I basically got my priorities straight because I realized viruses or Pirates of the Caribbean, and so I uh, chose Pirates of the Caribbean. But what does this all mean, given I have personal experience with virus stuff and have the inside, like, epidemiology scoop? I'll tell you what it means. It's freaking time for Pirate Word of the Week. (laughs) Ahoy there, scallywags. Pirate Word of the Week in five, four, three, two, yarrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrr
through the bottom deck or side of the ship to sink it. You got to sink your ship. You sink the ship. Either you sink somebody else's ship or you sink your own. Well, that's true. You know. Hopefully you're sinking others. But there's been a lot of stuff in history of people scuttling their ships. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, For all kinds actually. of various reasons. I was going to get into it, and then I decided, ah, I'm not going to get into it. Really? Yeah, I started to Aww. because I really wanted the pi- pirate tie-in. And that's where I was having the problem. Because I think we've talked about some of the ships that have been sunk or scuttled by pirates. But then a lot of the stuff that I was coming across was just general ship stuff. It's some good historical kind of stuff. Yeah. But I... The, the pirate tie-in that I was looking for didn't happen. So I kind of scuttled my search and then moved along. Okay, it's I like, guess. If you have some, bring it to us. No, but no, uh, no. I just kind of left it as is. No. I must have been down a bit because of Something I don't know. stupid. I whatever. was really focused on these minutes because there's some long conversations to come. But that's in a few minutes. Because as of right now, in the previous minutes, there's only one thing you need to know. They load the freaking rum. What kind of pirates are these that they're loading the rum? And then there's something about Jack escaping in the last longboat and a secondary Kraken attack on the Black Pearl. But the important thing is, did I mention the rum? Because <laughs> me and Gibbs are, you know, tight. We're on the same wavelength here. With the rum? Yeah, with the rum. That's I mean, probably why Jack ex- Jack escaped, is because <laughs> there's no more rum on the ship. Hey, we've seen him do it to Rum Runner's Isle. He's like... There's no rum. I'm getting the hell off this island. On turtles. On turtles. And because Elizabeth created a bonfire of it and got saved. But anyways, minute 128 begins with the crew of the Black Pearl raising up the net filled with cask of gunpowder and rum. As the net lifts from below deck, the Kraken has initiated a tentacled-fueled attack. Minute 129 ends with Will tangled on the gunpowder rum-filled net yelling to Elizabeth to shoot. Just as she takes aim and is ready to fire, hoping to ignite the powder... She is grabbed by one of the Kraken's tentacles, pulled off her feet, and dragged into the captain's quarters. So what do you think about this week's minutes? Anything stand out to you? That's all I'm curious about. <laughs> Obviously, you're either attacking people trying to get food, or you're talking pirates. I'm not sure which one yet. Oh my god, the crazies. Anyway, a couple things stood out to me. Okay, I'll let For you For one thing, the body that gets pulled through the hole, or for, through the gun port... Or the, the tentacle hole, whatever it was there. It was a gun port. Okay. I, I found it. I was actually in my quest to find who Gibbs was trying to hold on to when yeah. the tentacles taken away, which failed, by the way. I couldn't find that guy. But I found who was being pulled through the, the gun port. And? His name is Sweepy. 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 Yeah. Not Sweet Pea, like the Popeye thing, but Sweepy. Like Sweepy. He's Instead of Sleepy, like Sweepy. The eighth dwarf. <laughs> but you never saw him because most of the time he was <laughs> left back at the house because he had to do all the chores. Yeah. Well, That's he, why you never heard Sweepy before. Sweepy actually was one of the people that when um, they were on at the tavern in... Tortuga. Tortuga, thank you. That um, was holding back the Commodore when he shot oh, and ended up shooting the, really? the ceiling huh, okay. yeah, instead of Jack. So, so he's multifaceted. Yes. <laughs> he was hired in Tortuga okay. to come onto the ship and be one of the 100 souls that... Okay, that's okay. right. So that's who the dude Sweepy. is. Huh? Okay. Sweepy, yes. Um, And he was actually drugged through the... the yeah, he got the broken back issue. Yeah, that's so... He snapped in half. Could you imagine being Patel and Rigetti standing right there? 
I can. Because <laughs> it is a little gruesome. His, his, uh, his ribs were crushed. Well, I was sitting there watching it, and that wouldn't normally bother me, but it actually holds for a little bit. Yeah. So it's not like it's a quick thing. No. You're getting that, and you're just going, God, that's got to hurt, until it just finally snaps, and then yeah. it goes through, and you know, I'm just sitting there going, that's got to be brutal. Yeah. It was a little gross. It was like the gross without having to do anything. And you don't even see a lot of it. Oh, you Most see of the it's legs. mass. Yeah. yeah. So it's covered, yet the sounds and all that just yeah, and, no. and the feel, you just go, Man, he should have just let the ceiling fall on him or shot himself <laughs> or whatever it was back in Tortuga. So I um the actor is Hernando Molina, and he's actually known for or his he has two credits. One for so he's known for nothing. Most and one likely. for Dead Man's Chest. Not that we don't know what he's doing out there. And one for a documentary. Um, but he does Rolling Smooth, which is like gang, some gang documentary. Hmm. So gang in two thousand six or two thousand nine. I'm sorry. Really? Yeah. He just wasn't even credited in that. Hmm. It's on his IMDb, but that's all that's on his IMDb. So. So I don't know what he's doing now. Then. Yeah, it didn't say anything. Hmm. At all. Okay. He just uh, probably has a regular job like anybody yeah, else. Yeah, probably. But he has the cool factor that says he was in Pirates of the Caribbean exactly. Dead Man's Chest. Exactly. I mean, and he got pulled through and he heard his bones cracking. Yeah. So he can say, that was me, not just some rando yeah. in the crew. Exactly. Um, my second little thing I got out of this minute was, did you see Marty jump onto somebody's back to escape the crack and, fall- crack and arm falling on him? I'm trying to remember. Is that when, when he, he was in the cap co- stand? He doesn't jump jump on. It cotton, wasn't cotton. It? it was somebody else. Hmm. I don't. Remember he was that a, part. he was on the cap stand, you know, yeah. cheering people on. Go go yeah. go! And he's seen the arm coming down, and he jump actually jumps onto somebody's back to huh. get out of there before he gets crushed because he barely makes it. Hmm. I don't remember that part. <sighs> it's ridiculous. You I know. know. Do you remember anything? So another one thing. <laughs> <laughs> blatant shot at me for no reason because I didn't remember something. Will, Will, Will in this minute. Yeah. They have him calling for the Kraken. Yeah. Come on, Kraken. Well, Come on. Okay. We're talking about a Kraken and all it's out is his arms. Yeah, but we talked about they can like sense and detect prey through their tentacles. But their, technically their the Kraken wasn't after him. Technically. No, he's... He was after the ship and he was after Jack. Yeah. He wasn't after Will, so he's calling he's the Kraken anybody, on. though. Any, it's grabbing anybody, though. Yeah, so exactly. So he's, he's trying to get the rum gunpowder net to the Kraken. Yeah. And he's hoping that Elizabeth can shoot it bef- as all this happens simultaneously. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess what my point is is... I don't think it's going to do any good to call it, except maybe a a little bit. It just adds dialogue, I guess. Is it leading the audience to, so we know what he's trying to do as opposed to just swinging around up there? Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. It's the cue for the audience to go, oh, he wants the Kraken to grab a hold of this thing to blow all his arms off or something. Yeah, maybe that's it. There you go. Okay. That's my justification for it. And speaking of swinging around up there, Will's going for a wild ride. (laughs) Did you see the Kraken grab a hold of the rope? Yeah. And he's swinging all over the place. I don't know if it grabbed a hold of the rope. Is it actually, I think, didn't it get just whipped around and tangled on him? So I thought that was actually pretty cool. And then it gets stuck on the Kraken. 
And Will's all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> Almost with a broken back at one point in time, it looked like. I'm sure. But what I thought was weird is the way he like takes a knife and like stabs at the net like in an overhand fashion to start cutting it overhand style. Oh, it's it a seems, weird, awkward. Yeah, it feels like an awkward maneuver to me. I know whenever yeah. I was hanging on a net trying to cut myself <laughs> free, that I kind of, I may have done it differently. I just didn't do like a stabbing down kind of motion. Maybe that was the only way he could actually grab That's his possible. knife at that moment. And Well, next time I'm stuck in a net over a ship, I'll give it a shot and see how it goes. See which works best. Yeah. I mean, the big takeaway for me, I don't know if you have anything else on I it. do. Okay, go for it. Then I'll let you, or do you just want to... And we're we're watching the end of Elizabeth here. The end of Elizabeth Swan, you mean? Yeah. The, uh, the high society, aristocracy, aristocratic Elizabeth Swan? No, or, just the end of oh, Elizabeth. The end of Elizabeth? The, Elizabeth is the... Being dragged away at the end of the minute? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Kraken's got her. The tension for minute 129? Yes. Where she drags it. And, uh, yeah, gets dragged away. Yep. I gotcha. I'm there, too. <laughs> Are you sure? Not really. <laughs> Not really Seemed sure. a little what, confused. I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> I think where I was really trying to go or see where you would go is the big life question. Not poor Elizabeth getting <laughs> almost killed. That's not a bit. No, it's not a How, big Why thing. do you say Almost. The well, Kraken has her. We don't know, though. We see everybody else a Kraken grabs doesn't make it. That's true. It is a cliffhanger for the minute, <laughs> <laughs> given the minute format here. But I was just wondering more about the the big life choice, choice that happens here. With Jack, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Is that where you're going? Is Jack? You wanted me to go to Jack? Yeah, that's where I thought you, you were going. You didn't want all this other stuff. No, you wanted me well, to go no, to Jack. No, not really. I just was <laughs> well. curious where you were going. <laughs> Well, I because don't know that was for that. me, that was like the big thing that I got focused on. That was the big takeaway. It's kind of like a Schrodinger's compass paradox here. It's it's like his cat. The compass is this thought experiment. Okay, it's, it's a thought experiment for the audience because we don't know where the hell the compass is pointing to unless we get a glimpse of it, right? Right. And so we can't. We basically can't consider the arrow is in the state of pointing in any direction. It's like the cat being both dead and alive until you open the box. It's it's like we're all Sheldon at this point from the Big Bang Theory talking Schrodinger's cat, okay? Right, because the last time we seen the he used a compass, it was just spinning around in circles. That's exactly right. That's where so I'm going. So is it still spinning? That's what I'm trying to figure out here because Schrodinger posed that a cat, poison, a Geiger counter, radioactive material, and a hammer were all inside this container this sealed box okay which no one could see in and no one knew what was happening so the amount of radioactive material was small enough that it only had a 50 50 shot of being detected over the course of an hour and if the geiger counter detected the radiation the hammer would smash the poison would kill the cat and we have a happy story here right that's until somebody opened the container and observed the contents it was impossible to predict what the status of the cat actually was at any particular moment is it alive is it dead and thus the cat in some kind of weird hypothetical state of mind could be considered both alive and dead that's the whole premise behind schrodinger's cat okay so here and i posted this question on facebook is we get a similar kind of thing cuz we don't know it could be all kinds of different scenarios of where the arrow could be and I did post this poll on our Facebook stuff, but I did it late, and so I doubt we'll get any good participation from it. 
But I was always thinking about this stuff at the last minute, and I wish at some point I'd go, you know what, maybe a few days before an episode I'd actually post some of this stuff. <laughs> but no, that never happens. So anyways, here's the lowdown on this kind of ambiguity that we get here. Because even Terry Rossio and Ted Elliott, I think, were even split on whether the compass was pointing its way back to um, the Black Pearl, to land, or whatever. And I think that was all happening in the Blu-ray DVD kind even of thing. Even the writers were... Yes. Split on it. I think they were. They left it ambiguous, huh? But they're the writers. Yes, that's correct. So they could at any time say, no, this is where it was. And then all of a sudden you're like, damn them. They just made it gold. But they, at the time of the DVD release in the commentary, that's, I think they were split on where it was actually pointing. And so that, because they wanted to leave it out for the audience. So we only have really a handful of kind of viable options. It's, it's pointing to the black pearl. It's pointing towards land. It's still spinning. And the fourth option is it's something else entirely, okay? Insert your yeah. entirely or other option here. But now, had I like simply rolled with my first instinct ever since I saw the film, I'd have jumped on the Black Pearl bandwagon. And, and then one of the listeners, Cynthia, actually said, uh, to the Pearl, that's why he gave a sigh. He knew he needed to go back and save his heart's desire, his ship, his freedom, okay? Yeah. And that was my exact thoughts, too. And maybe it still is. I'm not really sure. And I'll have to see what you think. But the pearl represents his freedom. And even when danger is kind of lurking there, and you've spilled your jar of dirt, for instance, <laughs> your jar of dirt savior, you know, from the Kraken, deep down he still lives for the ship, his freedom, okay? And that's where I was kind of coming from. But just think about this. What if this is all some kind of test, okay? What if we're looking at this from like a Jack character, Jack character Sparrow. Jack Sparrow character thing. And I don't even know if I said that. In my mind, I was like, Jack character Sparrow. So That's what you said. Well, there you go. That's not what I meant to say. From a Jack perspective here, okay? Is the glass half full or is it a half empty kind of scenario, right? But it's on the line. It's not glasses of juice or water full or empty. It's Jack's character, okay? So... Like its predecessor, The Curse of the Black Pearl, we're seeing this kind of pattern emerge in which all these kind of pirate stories are all ending in a moral choice, okay? Yeah. We're like upending the classic notion of a pirate here. Can a pirate actually be good? That's my question. That's the question that maybe well, the movies are asking. We've kind of answered this question with Jack before. I know. And Barbosa. That's correct. Yeah. It keeps coming back. It's like some of these moral choices. Right? Yeah. So the idea is, is how do we see Jack, okay? How do we as an audience want to like individually see his character or growth of his character? And unfortunately, we don't really get an answer to any of these questions, nor do we actually see, does he proceed to land or back to the Pearl in these minutes? And we're kind of bound by the code of the movies by minute format that we can't spoil upcoming minutes. But I'm not sure this question actually can be answered without some spoilage. That's all I'm going to say. It We may not be able to ask this big question or answer this big question without some spoiling. So I might be willing to risk a little bit of flogging be, as we go down this road. Because his heart's desire in kind of scenario one is the safety of land, right? The compass points to the land. So if it is pointing to land and it kind of gives Jack that character arc of going from selfishness to a hero right? Yeah. He would be blatantly defying his instinct, making like a conscious choice to overlook his fight or flight response and head into danger. That's huge. I mean, for a character that's, it's like he's been on this path towards self-indulgence and preservation the entire film or the entire films, 
to suddenly trash that path with like kind of a fork in the road and take the the upper road, the higher road, saving his crew, his so-called friends. I don't know if we want to call them his friends, but so-called friends or maybe friends for him. His ship, his freedom. That's the turnaround. He's doing the right thing. It's it's the idea that pirates can be good, and that's the question answered. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Right. That that's what I well, get. Well, I land my choice. my thing is, um, Jack didn't need to look at his compass. You know, what I mean, he's seen what the Kraken was doing to the ship, and he decided at that moment, without even looking at the compass, that he can't continue to flee. Well, I think that's yes. So I think that plays into it. That definitely plays into it because this is where I'm going with that. Because the second choice, then. And this is, seems to be the most popular opinion out there is that the compass is pointing to the Black Pearl. And like Cynthia, the ship is his freedom and his love and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And you can make an argument that there's even the saving the crew aspect. But how much of that weighs into this is debatable, I'm, I think. But there's a lot of evidence for the compass pointing to the pearl. There just is. I mean, the entire first movie was built around the idea. Yeah. You can just go watch The Curse of the Black Pearl. It's about the compass trying to find the pearl. It's on Disney+. Plus. There you go. <laughs> This episode brought to you by Disney+. Plus. We'll be waiting for our royalty check in the mail. And like the compass pointing to land, there's this idea that doing the right thing aspect in a pirate can be good model is happening, okay? The morality struggle is here. Jack has a history of this self-preservation, as I was just saying, but ultimately he returns to save the day. And this is no different. That happened also in Curse of the Black Pearl. Yeah. It's like a redemption of sorts. Elizabeth was just so disappointed when she saw him taking off in the longboat. It's kind of as they're prepping for the Kraken attack, yeah. number two. It's the the swashbuckler moment when he returns kind of aspect of things. Okay? That's if I, it's the second pointing to the Black Pearl. I think Jack wants to be the person who could just walk away. Walk away from people he's grown accustomed to. Walk away from his love, the Black Pearl. I think he wants to be that person who has no attachments. Who yeah, doesn't feel like he should have that obligation. That's why he keeps but coming back in both he movies. He can't in his... Heart of hearts. Heart, yeah, he just can't do it. Well, that's exactly where I'm leading to with this third option. Because I'm not going to address the other option. It's thirdly, is that freaking Compass is still spinning out of control. I mean, is that the case? Because is Jack still confused about who he really is? Has he not, like, answered to himself the question, can a pirate be good? The idea is that can Jack Sparrow be good within reason, of course, you know? Well, yeah. Because if the compass is still spinning, there's this idea that no black magic is helping him answer life's question, okay? The answer lies in himself to truly decide who he wants to be. Who does he want to be for himself? Does he want to be the pirate that runs away to live and fight another day? To quote uh, Maverick or whatever it was. It was something to that effect, right? I think or, so. <laughs> or does he want to be the pirate who kind of puts it all on the line here? He sacrifices everything for the chance at everything. His freedom. Here's the idea. It's kind of the morality tale. No one can tell you who to be. You have to decide that for yourself. Right? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Even magic it, can't tell you who, yeah. who you are. And that is pretty much a theme in a ton of movies. Oh, yeah. This is no, like, no. brand but, new theme for a movie. No, because, you know, a lot of movies go into that, the magic, and people believe that the magic's going to answer all their questions and let them know who they really are inside, but it's, the magic never helps with that. Yeah, it's like going to an oracle or a fortune teller 
where yeah. they will tell you things maybe you want to hear or pose other questions and then you answer it for yourself. You get guidance. So that's yeah. kind of what I'm seeing here is that this idea that you have to decide for yourself, that's what's so plentiful in all these films. Because if you look back at everything, destiny, social class, none of it matters or dictates who you will become. I mean, Will was not just a lowly blacksmith apprentice. Elizabeth was not a governor's daughter who was slated to marry Norrington, you know, have her whole life mapped out in aristocracy, right? Yeah. Barbosa wasn't just a pirate. He then got embodied into this greed aspect. And then who knows what the future will be for Bar Barbosa? Kind of a wink, wink there, you know? I said wink, wink. I didn't spoil anything for the future movies. But right? It's this all this kind of redemption. People aren't who you think they are. People aren't just being left in these roles and continuing on with them. They're challenging those ideals. They're challenging those roles and doing what they want out of it. They're deciding who they want to become. It's not the let destiny be determined by social status or a compass or do what uh, our fathers want in Elizabeth's case or whatever. It's the idea that we make that decision ourselves. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm looking at. That's the question being answered with the compass still spinning is Jack isn't able to get the answer. So the compass doesn't tell him. He has to look inside himself to decide yeah. what he was going to be. Is he going to be that pirate that runs away? Or is he going to be the pirate that fights and uh, it makes for what sense he believes for or what he wants? Spinning. Yeah. So that's what I'm yeah. thinking. Yet when I think of all of these options, they're it's like they're different, but they're the same in a way. Yeah. Because with all of what I just said, they're all intertwined. And I, so then I come back to when I answer this question for myself, where is the compass pointing? I'm almost in it for now. What is most impressive or what is more impressive for Jack or the characters? Because Jack spinning. Yes. Because Jack having the compass either like tell him what he really desires or kind of does it confirm his decision? You know, if he's looking at it or is it kind of the opposite to do the right thing? You know, okay, it's pointing to land, but I really should go back to the Black Pearl. So it's right. kind of an opposite do the right thing. Or if is it, it still spinning because there's no right answer and destiny is what he makes of it? If it was pointing to land, would he go back? Well, that's a good question. But I think so. Possibly. That's why I'm saying that they're or all intertwined. Or would he tell himself there must be another option on the land? There well, must that, oh, be a, a way to save them on land. Well, would that's he a convince good question. himself I hadn't thought that. about that. Damn it. I didn't think about that part. Would he, would he, would he convince himself there must there is another option on land that can help save the pearl? Well, that's possible, I guess. I'll have to noodle that through as I think about this stuff on the air now. Damn it. <laughs> I don't know. For me, though, I keep going back to this idea of the spinning compass because it seems like that that's the swashbuckler romantic notion. It's the compass is still spinning because I think it plays well with the Will and Elizabeth character arcs. Then there's also a bit of all roads lead to the pearl aspect, except in Heather's scenario. But even then, if he thought that was the choice. But it's the idea that maybe there's a bit of the um, kind of the Matrix involved with this. Oh, no, Matrix. I'm just wondering because, and and I don't mean that it's like a dream or anything like that or some kind of Star Not Wars yet. fever dream or Indiana Jones connection. I mean, we think we're making conscious decisions, but the, it's like the idea that they're largely laid out for us by, by our minds or our programmers. 
<laughs> I don't know. Because as neurologists and evolutionary biologists discuss, they say that contemporary scientific image of the human behavior is one of neurons firing. It's kind of the biological aspect, right? Causing other neurons to fire, causing our thoughts and deeds, and kind of this whole unbroken chain that stretches back and forth you know, to our birth and beyond, okay? And so in principle, we're therefore like completely predictable. So if we could understand any individual's brain architecture and chemistry well enough, the idea is that we could, in theory, predict that individual's response to any given stimulus with 100% accuracy. So it's like predetermined, okay? There's no free will. So that's kind of the other thing, unless there is some kind of... um no free will aspect kind of thing. But I but I don't like that. No. That's not where I want to go with the spinning thing, that it's all predetermined, okay? I like the idea that Jack is is making this choice in deciding who he wants to be, and no one is influencing that or telling him because the compass is still spinning. That's why I like it. Even though since the beginning of ever seeing this movie back in 2006, I've wanted it to be the Black Pearl it pointed to. But right. now I'm thinking, how cool would it be if it was spinning and he actually had to make the choice? Because that provides that greater impact as a character for him. Yeah. And it could be anybody. Like Elizabeth holding the compass. Will holding the compass. It's like they're holding the compass. I don't you know, have to go down this road. But holding the compass of life. You know, they're... I could... It's a little deep. Well, yeah. This whole episode is like that now. So, it... Will is like, I, you know, I could just do the thing and be the apprentice and not go after Swan, you know, Elizabeth Swan, that kind of stuff. But he chooses, no, I'm going to do what I need to do. Elizabeth does the same thing, you know. So it's it's all about these kind of defiance of our typical roles. And it's not just established there. That's all I'm saying. But it's funny how sometimes every once in a while the show gets like, it swings wildly from, you know, euphemisms and history to we drop like a completely serious episode <laughs> all of a sudden we're trying to answer the meaning of life here i mean it all depends on the subject matter in the minutes but man it's it's so strange how that happens it's not that i think it's a problem with the show because i don't i think it's just interesting in how that comes up because usually when there's so much action it's like we glom on to any kind of morsel of discovery you know and we try and just like jump on it as we go down the rabbit hole of it because that's what definitely happened here. And that's all I'm saying. Is it? Well, that's all I'm saying for myself then. Because I start <laughs> to wonder, huh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. And I and I did actually want to share a few poll stats um, on where people thought the compass was pointing. So the consensus from our Facebook page and the Cursed Listeners Crew group is that the Black Pearl was the target. Yeah. Okay. And the Facebook page was only able to have uh, two options, I think. Just the way Facebook does stuff. So it's not like it could have multiple options. And 80% were for the Black Pearl and 20% for the land option at the time of the recording here. So after I've already posted those polls, I then was doing a Google search and I found another poll that was very similar to what we just asked. Oh, really? Yeah. And it was conducted by a movie website where the article's author, and her name is Lori Smith, and she's on realrundown.com. She talked this very exact same issue that we're talking now. Not in 2006, not 10 years ago even. January 2020, she really? had this article. Yeah. So people, we're not the only ones still thinking about this very question or discussing Dead Man's Chest. That's it's weird. still happening in this year, 2020. That's weird. I thought so too. But it was nice though. I even left her a comment on the 
her article. Oh, did because you? I was like, oh my god, we, you know, I was just prepping my notes for this, and then came across your article, and then I'm like, well, I have to share the poll results because she had a poll too. Huh. And she found that 72 percent of the Black Pearl, or 72 percent of the people who voted, said the compass was pointing to the Black Pearl. Seven percent to land. 12% for every direction. And that's kind of, I think, I'm making that analogous to our, the compass is still spinning. And then 7% for other, and she had posted maybe a bottle of rum, so, <laughs> which is highly possible with Jack. And then 3% weren't sure. So I guess the moral is it, it's it's like, it, it's a good read for an article. And I'm glad to see that people are still talking about this movie, even in 2020, so long that it, after it's come out. And that we're not the only ones still talking Pirates of the Caribbean out there, which is another good thing. Yes. Maybe it was a jump onto the Pirates of the Caribbean news and because everything that's going around, which just again tells me that there's a freaking lot of people that are wanting Pirates of the Caribbean action out there. Yep. I don't know. It's good, I guess. Maybe actually there's another note on this topic. As much as I wanted to get away from it, I don't know. It's like drawing me back. Like there's a chain stuck to me for this. But there's this great imagery with the filming of this scene. So Jack is obviously rowing. It's hard work, right? Yeah. Seems like it is. It's it's rough out there. But the striving pain on his face, it's so apparent as he watches the pearl being attacked in the distance. And it's this pain that has him kind of look over his shoulder to the target land that he's rowing towards, right? The escape. Yeah. And then it's like he it's kind of like he sees the pearl, then he looks over, he's like weighing this on his mind. And then that's when he checks the compass to see if he's doing the right thing is kind of how I imagined it. And this is where things double down, though, because we don't ever see the compass. So it's up to the audience, as I was talking about, to decide what's going on here. But B, and this is the important part why I'm bringing it back up, okay. is the music accompaniment is straight up like this biblical aha moment. It's like, oh, <laughs> did you hear that? It's freaking like, oh, it's like he got the... It's like he got divine intervention and all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah. And and so, again, I don't think that it's the compass pointing anywhere, that it could be done like that. But it could be interpreted as this thing's still spinning. I got an epiphany. I'm going to have to make the decision myself as he sees the compass. But it clearly is just, uh, and I don't remember hearing that ever before until I watched it a couple of times. And then I started to listen and I'm like, wait a second. It's straight up choir action in that rowboat. Because <laughs> again, that's why I like the compass still spinning aspect. It gives him that personal growth to realize. Mm -hmm. This damn compass ain't telling me nothing. But my gut is telling me what to do. That's why I like it. And that's why he stopped rowing to see or to take a look at the pearl. Then the land. He's conflicted already, like you were saying in the beginning. He's trying to figure out which way is easier to row. You think that's what it is? No. <laughs> Damn it. You're just blowing everything out we talked about. Okay, scratch the last 30 minutes or whatever we've been talking. But he knows what he should do. He knows what he needs to do. Yeah. The compass didn't do it. He made the call. That's where I'm at. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That's the romanticized pirate swashbuckler aspect with the compass I want, even though for years I believed that it's the Black Pearl and probably maybe is meant to be the Black Pearl. Maybe. But I like the idea of it still spinning where he has to choose. And then if you believe in no free will, then it was always pointed to the Black Pearl, whether it was spinning, pointed to land or not, because he's always going to go back there. Again, like I said, all the roads lead back to the Black Pearl. No, what, no matter whatever choose your adventure you just had, you're always going to get him back to the Black Pearl. Even if it's Heather's crazy thought that 
it's on land and he could somehow justify going to the land because there's going to be some kind of black pearl option there, like a rocket launcher or something, uh, a giant hook with squid bait on it. Well, if he thinks, you know, he's got this compass. Yeah. And if the compass was actually pointed towards land and Jack's little mind. What is that? Like tiny mind? Like a Gordon Ramsay reference? Would hey, he- tiny mind from the kitchen. Still, <laughs> still the best insult Gordon Ramsay has ever perpetrated upon the audience. Of a TV show. Well, okay, not he's perpetrated it upon a contestant in the cooking show, but it was delivered to the audience. I think it was Hell's Kitchen. Tiny Mind. I think it was Hell's <laughs> Kitchen. Right there? That just sums it all up. If you're called Tiny Mind, you remember. might as well just, yeah. you know, hunker down for a little bit and rethink things <laughs> with your tiny mind. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you don't even know where you were going with that now. I oh, interrupted you with Tiny Mind. Yeah, because he's got the compass and it's pointed towards shore. Wouldn't he think that, oh, I got, I have to go on shore. There must be an answer there. Yeah, but it takes, that's, A, that's assuming that Black Pearl is still what he desires most. Because, or freedom desires most. That would, because the compass points to that which you desire yeah. most. So it would have to be that, and that works, that very much works, if he believed that what he desired most was freedom, wow. the Black Pearl, that kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. then it would be, there's another way. And if I go to land, I'm going to find that other way. But maybe it could have just ended up being boards from a destroyed black hole that washed... Black hole. Black pearl (laughs) from the hole. Boards from the hole of the black pearl that wash up on shore. There you go. Then he'd have, finger quotes, the black pearl again. Yes. Just be some boards. I don't know. Anything else? Nope. Because now I'm going to... I think I'm stretching things here a little bit because that's such like a big like discussion. It's life discussion right there. Yeah. But there's this great sound work and there's layering of sounds in these minutes. Oh! Yeah, that's one of them for sure. Because the Kraken tentacle movement, it's kind of a slimy soft thing going through a just slightly too small hole in anything. I mean, it matches perfectly and it's a bit, I don't know, squishy? I I can't even describe it. It also made... It's like a wet noodle thing. It also made some growling noises. Oh, well, it's on the ship, so it's possible that it's... Reverberating through it, the the ship is kind of growling or groaning as it's getting squished. You maybe it's making noises underwater and it's reverberating through the hull yeah. of the ship. I don't know, but there's yeah, it also yeah, it makes squishy noises. Yeah, all over. So that I like that little yeah, like a suction cups were weird noises. Yeah, we're not going to try and replicate those here. No, sound a little weird. <laughs> what? <laughs> like what the hell are they doing out there? <laughs> but anyways. Visually, I think it works. It's the the CGI effects, the practical effects, and I haven't. I should have looked up how they actually did some of this. I'm assuming that guys were being pulled by ropes all over the place when tentacles were supposed to grab them. So I would have. I actually would like to see the making of some of this. I need to track that down if they have some of that. I think we even have some. It's probably on our one of our stuff. Yeah, we need to check that out. You'd think that I'd prep and, and do that for the show, but I didn't. But I think it actually works seamlessly. Then you have Hans Zimmer with his Kraken theme. And I know we talked a little bit about that before. But one thing I like is that, is that I heard that it may have drawn inspiration from Jaws, the movie Jaws. Because it has some similarities in the opening of both pieces. And I'm definitely on board with that. Because as much as I love Pirates of the Caribbean, still usually Jaws. And as much as I love Star Wars, and I have stuff dedicated to Star Wars... That Jaws really ranks up there as one of my number one movies consistently. Yeah. Yeah, I just love that movie for some reason. Years into the future, pirates will prevail. Finally, we've conquered death. All our worries gone. 
our souls won't rest till the break of dawn. And the show sails on, back into beyond, over again. When I sing the song, this is my home. Until the end, centuries across the sea is not enough for me. All I want is to be free and hail Captain Blood. On and on eternally, with life of piracy, hail the curse of Gilmeggy and hail Captain Blood. But anyways, as I was saying, there's a connection to possibly Jaws for the music. And then there's this organ solo that really melds in well with Davy Jones' connection to the organ. So having that all just kind of comes together. And then with everything going on, characters are all over the place, running around chaotically, tentacles all over. Verbinski still manages to lighten the mood with some kind of brief comedy moments, some comedic moments like, okay, miniature moments of comedy i'll say like pentel and rigetti as you were saying seeing sweepy get pulled through the ship's hull yeah and as he is doing the the back crack action they're sitting there like it was ribs by the way oh my god you're t- oh wait really you're gonna say it's just ribs that guy got pulled through a tiny hole that means you have to snap the spine and put you in half <laughs> so there's a lot of cracking going on there how dare you how dare you call me out on that but they have the looks and they're like, thank God that wasn't us. And that's what I like is that within all of this terror, everything that's happening, this terror from Kraken action that's happening to everyone on board the ship, it retains the tone because of the stuff that's happening visually and audibly. Yeah. That's what I thought was really good. Now that's all I got. Well, a quick note on the um, Kraken. Okay, did you find some stuff, actually? Just some really quick, because I can only read so much while I'm trying to listen to you also. <laughs> the means. shooting of each scene... Sorry, just lost it. It actually says putting it together was very difficult. Every shot takes months of effort hmm. when it's actually in the ship. and Because they're coordinating everything. So it's not yeah. only the practical, it's the visual effects, the CGI having to pull people on ropes and break stuff and all those kinds of yeah. things coming together. Yeah, that's crazy. Yep. But I, I think still we like have to, a book with a little more information. I'd still like to see playing. the scene without any of the special effects to see how much was actually added through computer and actually how much was practical effects. That's yeah. why I'd like to see it. But other than that, I'm just going to have to say thanks for listening, Scallywags. Because if you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us grow and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlshow.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook, our Facebook listeners group, and on Twitter. All the links are at theblackpearlshow.com. It is that freaking easy. And, of course, you know what we're doing here. We're delivering Pirates of the Caribbean info to the masses as the dirty, filthy, freaking bilge rats we are. Analyzing, scrutinizing, and plundering. Until then, scallywags, let's keep the horns swoggling scurvy, viruses, all of that to a minimum out there. And we'll see you next week. Across the sea is not enough for me. All I want is to be free and hail Captain Blood. On and on eternally, one life of piracy. Hail the curse of Gilmanke and hail Captain Blood. Hail Captain Blood. Listening to the Black Pearl Show. And we-
We appreciate it, scallywags. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun, I think all you dirty, filthy bilge rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music, that's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout-out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, maybe Heather. This is a Shoutreach Media Production.